0: this market will land at a place where there will likely be more operators live and operational in Ontario than any other jurisdiction in North America. And that might ultimately in the future uh, beget some level
1: of consolidation in the
0: marketplace, I do believe.
1: You're listening to the Gaming News Canada show with Steve McAllister recorded live on Twitter Spaces. Follow Gaming News CA on Twitter to join the live audience.
2: Welcome back, everybody, and welcome to the Gaming News Canada Show. i Want to start off by just uh, you know saying a, you know a couple of couple of sad news stories this week. First of all, you know our condolences to everybody in Saskatchewan, and particularly James Smith Cree Nation, that was you know whose life were turned upside down by by the um, awful tragedies there earlier this week. So our, our hearts go out to. To everyone, all the all the families and, and friends and, and people who uh, who lives have been impacted by that by that awful uh, awful uh, spate of incidents out there. Um, and then, secondly, we we know there's still are uh, royal watchers and, and lovers of the royal family in, in Canada. So we, we do give our condolences and thinking of the people with with the uh, uh, the death of Queen Elizabeth. Uh, I guess just uh, in the last, the last hour or so, the news coming out about Queen Elizabeth. So uh, again, I think people certainly have my ilk have grown up watching royal weddings and watching functions for Queen Elizabeth. So uh, a bit of a sad day as well. Um, I do want to, we, we took a hiatus with the show in August. So uh, really pleased to be back and there's obviously lots to talk about. I couldn't think of a better week to, to relaunch the show and, I'm um, really happy, as always, to have uh, Amanda uh, Brewer from Kindred uh, Kindred Group back, back with us, uh, as, as she's been here from the beginning, and and Will Hill from Sightline Payments, and um, and of course Mark Silver, the the founder and and uh, grand poobah of, of Parlay Media Group. But but Amanda and Will, maybe we'll start. Uh, let's start with the uh, because we haven't had a chance to talk about it, and it was uh, the big news last week, and that was gaming Ontario coming out with its first uh, its first quarterly earnings report um, Amanda you I think you and I and, and will and I have both had a chance to kind of talk offline about about the report and um, you know for anybody who I guess was was on a deserted island or, or as I mentioned the newsletter fishing North, Northern Ontario the last couple of weeks um, just a few highlights in the report Um uh and and, uh, amanda will, i'm sure are going to kind of point out you know that the the report really doesn't uh completely uh capture the the landscape in ontario uh between april and the end of june but uh the Igo report you know points out 4.1 billion wagers made in those first three months of ontario's open market uh 162 million dollars in gaming revenue 18 operators and 31 websites and, and we know that uh you know, we know that number has increased uh, over the over the summer. Uh, Man, I just want to start with you because again, you—I thought you had a, a really uh, great post on LinkedIn last week that that's uh, included in the newsletter today. But just uh, you know, g- gives give some context to the report, kind of what uh, you know, what to take take away from it, and, and what what isn't included in the report.
3: Uh, yeah, I was trying to be on holidays last week, and you see how well that worked out. Um. <laughs> We've been waiting for that report to come out for a long time and it was becoming a bit of a, you know, source of consternation. And I know, especially with this first report, um, although operators who attended the first IGO uh, roundtable meeting in June had some early numbers. you know especially with this first one the government wanted to make sure there was adequate consultation that had happened before it came out so there were no big surprises um i i think i've spoken about this report before in the parlay and i've cautioned that we had to take the the numbers with a grain of salt only because it was not going to have uh, a ton of operators included in it and there's no OLG data included because conducts and manages itself through this process Um, And as I pointed out, some of the biggest operators in the world, like DraftKings and Betway, um, are not included. And there's still a pretty healthy gray market that the AGCO is trying to clean up. Um, and that is the other news that came out last week, which they've announced October 31st or Halloween as the end of the transition period. So there, there was always the expectation that they kind of had to get the first one out. They had to figure out how they wanted to present the information, what kind of context they wanted to provide. And then we were going to have to let a couple of quarters go by. Um, and my personal feeling is the Q4 report or even the Q1 2023 report will be a much more accurate representation of where we're at with the market, because even till this day, like we're still seeing operators coming in. Um, We're we're seeing suppliers, you know, who are getting email notices from the AGCO warning them about providing, you know, product and services to unlicensed operators. So the the enforcement now is starting to ramp up. So we need to give that a quarter or two to see how much they can kind of wipe out in terms of what will very soon be the black
2: market in Ontario. Yeah, we know Amanda that uh, you know Bet ninety nine. They they were licensed last week by the AGCO and and are now waiting for for approval from from IGO and and uh, we, we found out yesterday through our fr- friends at SN Bet and their Twitter account that um, pinnacle Pinnacle is now has an AGCO license and is waiting IGO approval. Um, Will, did you want did you want to add anything to what Amanda had to say?
0: I think she hit it right on the head uh, noting the absences from the marketplace. So when people saw the 162 million number uh, there were some media commentators particularly on the U.S. side of the border that uh, uh, used rather derogatory adjectives to describe that amount. Um, uh, Lacking I would think and respectfully I'll uh, you know Uh, The uh, uh, the proper context that Amanda just laid out, that uh, there's no OLG included in this this number because they report separately. Uh, They are not under the purview of of IGO, but rather under the AGCO, Uh, that there are certain gray market operators uh, that were working gray during this period that have since swapped out their gray hat for a white one uh, and will now contribute meaningfully to the people in the province of Ontario. Uh, that there are new operators that are still coming on board into the market, Um, and that there's a bit of a learning curve here uh, because of the lack, um, at least initially, of bonuses, credits, and inducements. Uh, There's been nothing akin to what we've seen in many other marketplaces where the market is flooded with free money, Um, that instead here, um, operators, it's incumbent upon operators to take a little bit of time to get to know the local populace, understand their motivations and their interests, um, and then cater to those motivations and interests um, in a meaningful way that builds up a relationship between the operator and the customer individually um, that will contribute to future success. But you know that kind of understanding of the customer forged by data analytics takes some time. You're not going to get there in just 88 days um, in one quarter. And I think I, I mentioned 88 specifically uh, because this quarter also wasn't a true quarter, at least not in the sense of uh, oftentimes quarters are, are 91 days. So there was a couple days short here because, of course, launch was back on April 4th. So, all things being equal, I think the guys from Regulus Capital did an excellent job. They figured that the quote unquote true uh, revenue figure from Ontario for that first quarter was actually around $334 million, which right. which I think is, 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 a, is a much better number um, and far more representative of the true marketplace, and I actually think a pretty good number in light of the time of year. I mean, quite frankly, from a sportsbook perspective, there's not a lot that happens in April, May, and June. Um, even if you look at the NBA and the NHL playoffs, those are wars of attrition where there, as the days go by, there are fewer games to bet on. Um, And so it's not an especially hectic time in the sporting calendar, at least from a wagering perspective in April, May, and June. You're behind the Super Bowl, you're behind March Madness. Uh, This year, you're behind the Winter Olympics. Um, And then from sort of an online casino perspective, I mean, really, after hibernating all winter in the Northeast... Who wants to stay inside to place a few wagers when the, the finally, finally, you're getting nice weather outside? You want to go out and enjoy um, spring weather for the first time in about four, five, six months. So, um, all things being equal, uh, and I know I've often been accused in the realm of the glass as, as being more than half full, um, I actually thought the numbers ended up being decidedly better um, and are, you know, sort of point in a meaningful direction um that will be further revealed in in later reports as amanda said likely uh the report at year's end um or uh when i say year's end i'm referring to calendar year end and then the the report at fiscal year end um after march 31st
2: yeah well just on that sports calendar we're going to get into that a little bit later and uh and aubrey levy from the score is going to join us at uh at 2 30 to talk a little bit about uh, the start of the fall sports season and i Amanda, that's something that we talked about uh, earlier this week, and talked about with other operators the last last two or three days. Is that it's almost like the for for Ontario and probably a lot of the uh, North American sports community. I mean, the, the the calendar, the sports calendar for sports betting is almost like a September to September uh, uh, calendar now. And and, and yeah, we're going to have a lot better indication of of what this market looks like in terms of report. Amanda, can we expect uh, and you know, I go has come out under a bit of fire for not providing more details and and it's been well documented and we've talked about it in this in this form over and over again that uh, there's a lot of information provided by gaming commissions and, and the U.S. states. Um, do we expect that the reports will become a little bit more detailed as, as I Gaming Ontario gets into the flow of, of, of these quarterly reports?
3: I think that's a, a reasonable expectation. I don't have any insight into it, but you know, we've been very grateful that the regulator and its subsidiary, Gaming Ontario, have both been very open and receptive to feedback. Um, it's it's been a really wonderful sort of cornerstone of their approach to regulation and working with the industry in this market. So I'm sure that's something that you know, as as we have time to kind of digest what they released. I know, you know, the the overwhelming opinion was an underwhelmed one, um, but it's certainly something that probably through Paul Burns at the Canadian Gaming Association um, and in individual conversations that um, Martha Otten and her team may have with, with individual operators, I'm sure that feedback is going to get
2: provided. I just I just want to remind everybody too, because we have a few newcomers to the show. That uh, again, if you ever if you have have a question here for Amanda or Will or anybody else in the group, please please put up your hand and we'll we'll get you uh, we'll get you on to, to ask that uh, question. Uh, well, the one one question I, I have for you and, and you and I may have discussed this a little bit earlier this week is that. Um, You know, I was a little bit surprised at at some of the reaction and and just just in terms of uh, how uh, how extreme some of the reaction was. And um, my sense is that there there still is a bit of a lack of understanding of Ontario. And I think it, it just seems way too simple to me when people start trying to compare Ontario with with New Jersey and New York and what we've seen with with the numbers in those markets this year.
0: 100%. Um, And and we've talked about this dynamic before uh, in this Twitter space. Um, You know, this is a market that has had a thriving gray market for the better part of more than a decade. So this is not like an American greenfield opportunity where when the gun goes off and the green light is given, everyone rushes in um, and starts anew here. Uh, this wasn't so much about customer acquisition for new operators as much as it was about customer retention for long standing grays, um, and that have you know now been um, fallen under the purview of regulation by the AGCO and supervision by IGO. So, you know, with some of those operators transitioning uh, during this time, you're not going to get a, a clear picture of what the true market is. Um, it's going to be distorted. And it will likely be distorted for some while because, I mean, as you've been reporting, there's been, even here in August, uh, a whole slew of new operators that have been brought in. So it's building up over time. And I think ultimately, this market will land at a place where there will likely be more operators live and operational in Ontario than any other jurisdiction in North America. Um, And that might ultimately in the future uh, beget some level of consolidation in the marketplace, I do believe.
2: Right. Uh, Amanda, we we tend to be, you know, on this show, heavily focused on the sports betting component, and and you do – reel us in once in a while and remind us that there's also an eye eye gaming component here that's very 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 influential maybe if you don't mind just talking a little addressing that a little bit because that that is something that it's you know to be blunt it's crazy for us to overlook that piece of the business
3: (laughs) Uh, happy to Um, you know the sports we all agree is sort of the sexy part of it and The sports bet itself is not a huge money maker for operators. The margins are really low. But what sports does is generate a lot of interest and a lot of other related economic activities around it. Um, So you see like, you know, in Ontario and Toronto specifically, a lot of sponsorship dollars have been sunk into sporting teams and sporting venues. Um, So that's, you know, a prime example of that. You know, you're signing up a lot of ambassadors, mostly who are sports related, you know, well known sports related figures. But the casino games, um, I would say, you know, probably 90% of the operators have come in with uh, casino games because those games aren't dependent on a sports calendar. Um, They aren't dependent on people, you know, showing up at games, showing up at venues um they aren't dependent on players who may break legs or get sick or get traded or any of the rest of that stuff so the casino games is something especially on the live dealer side um, the operators have invested in and it's really a way that you can uh, switch up your product offering if you're looking at what your crm teams your customer relationship management teams are doing Um, there's a lot of different ways they can target sports betting customers um, with some offers to try some really fun casino games And now that I've been in this role for over a year and I've done such a deep dive into the content, like it's amazing what you can play with. If you want to play online slots, if you want to play live dealer games, the amount of live dealer games, it's really as good as walking into a casino on the strip and you don't have to leave your home. So. Um, that's a long way of saying that you know it's really good if you think about a sporting calendar and how we're all excited because tonight is the kickoff of the NFL season and that's really big important business for us. But you know we've all been doing really well over the summer when it's been pretty much tennis and golf um, with our casino content as well. So that's why a lot of operators are investing equally on the casino side of the fence as they are on the sports.
2: And, and when you look at the Ontario market, Amanda, again, we need to point out that Poker Stars didn't get uh, wasn't approved by IGO, I think until July, so they're they're not included in that uh, in that initial report from from IGO And we, we know we all know uh, the magnitude of the Poker Stars business. And then Super uh, supergroup's the other one that that uh, that wasn't operating as a, a legal entity back in the spring as well. Um, I mean, You know, I'm going to ask you both, uh, Amanda and and Will, I'll start with you on just, you know, what have you had had conversations with people around the industry since that report came out? And and have you found yourself having to, you know, talk talk people off the uh, off the precipice?
3: Uh, Well, really, other than you, um, just internally within Kindred, because a lot of my team well, actually the vast majority of my team is in the U.S., um, and so they had just had some questions about the numbers, but they understand I've been, you know, nattering at them about Ontario for almost a year now. So they're they're better versed on it, but it's easy, you know, to just get misled. Like, you, you know, we were talking, Steve, you see a tweet comparing Ontario's numbers to Connecticut, d- describing Ontario as abysmal. And it's, that's partly what motivated me to put my LinkedIn post up because there's not a single U.S. state that's comparable to Ontario. There's not a single U.S. state that, went in, launched a market with a full suite of iGaming, including esports, sports, DFS, live dealer from the get-go. It didn't force operators to tether the land-based casinos because we've got a bunch of states that have gone that route. And also PS cleaning up a really well-entrenched gray market that in its heyday maybe had close to 200 operators here. So show me a U.S. state that has all of those going on, and then I'll agree we can compare. But any comparison to any U.S. state in my book is just completely wrong.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, rather than listen to visceral media reaction, um, I tend to sit back and observe the marketplace. And this is a market that on day one on April 4th had 17 website brands that were available to consumers. By the end of that quarter, 88 days later, there were 31 now there are more than 40, and the number continues to climb. So the most sophisticated people in this field, i.e. those people with skin in the game, those people that are actually investing in standing up regulated websites, are still moving into this marketplace. So what does that tell you? I mean, to me, um, that's probably the most revealing number of all, is that um, you know those people that actually have a globally sophisticated view of online gaming and sports betting, Continue to apply for registration and look to stand up operations here um, at a time when when still more U.S. states um, are looking at uh, opening themselves. Um, this province has become a priority, um, and so I I, uh, I continue to look forward to you know what the net, the rest of this year holds, um, and I particularly look forward to uh, future reports to start seeing you know some of those. Uh, Outside influences now come in. I mean, you mentioned a moment ago Supergroup and Betway. And what I sort of cast my mind back to is all the way through the NHL playoffs in April and May and into June, you saw the Betway logo on rink boards because of their official relationship with the NHL. right? Uh, and, and of course, during that time, yes, they were operating under in regulated fashion in certain U.S. jurisdictions, uh, but they weren't doing so up here. So they were garnering massive exposure in terms of the number of eyeballs that are on NHL games and seeing that logo uh, on rink boards. Um, so, you know, with it, when a new NHL season uh, faces off and certain national games uh, have mandate the use of their logo on rink boards, well, I think it'll be a far different story.
2: Amanda, what, what would you say to people who, you know, again, I think they're basing this on the initial re- report, which, you know, which, isn't probably the right path to go on, but what's your response to people who say that there's just there aren't going to be the number of betters and that the the, the, the uh, you know the forecast of how many sports betters would be Ontario have been greatly exaggerated?
3: Uh, I would have absolutely no answer to that. I have no crystal ball. I have no idea how any would have anyone would have been able to have forecasted the number of betters because we were a gray market until April fourth. And- and people were relying on, I don't know what kind of data to reach those conclusions. I think a valid argument for Ontario will be how many more operators can come in before you just can't slice that pie up anymore. So I think, you know, we've spoken about it, Steve, what will be interesting as we round into 2023 and 2024, because the licenses with the AGCO are either one year or two year, and operators had to choose when they were coming in, whether they're gonna renew after a year, or they'll renew after two years. So it'll be interesting to see um, which operators either choose not to renew their licenses or, you know, for their merging and acquisition that happens in Ontario, because I think at some point, it will just reach a natural point of saturation here.
2: Um, I, I imagine I, we are going to have Aubrey Levy's going to join us from the score at the bottom of the hour, but I, I did want, sorry, well, did you have something else to add to that?
0: Yeah, no, with, with regards to, to that particular topic, um, I think the most important number to keep in mind here is 14.4 million. I mean, that's the, pro- the population of the province of Ontario, um, which uh, makes Ontario the largest jurisdiction anywhere in North America to legalize both sports betting and online casino uh, more than any other U S state. Um, I mean, of course, people would say New York has 20 million people. They're quite correct. Uh, But to date, they've only allowed for online sports betting, not online casino. So, um, you know, in terms of how many sports bettors are there in Ontario? Well, I don't know that number, but I do know there are eight major professional sports teams housed in this particular market between, you know, soccer, baseball, basketball, hockey, etc. And football, pardon me. Um, I do know that uh, uh, there are two very healthy and well running national sports media content providers that are established here in, in Toronto for very good and very strategic reasons. Uh, so, I, and I have seen, uh, particularly from my days with the Toronto Blue Jays, you know, attendance figures of Toronto sports teams relative to their competitors in the US. And it's always very healthy. This is, this is a great sports market. Um, and a great online casino market because when you start with that large population base um, even uh, um, only having a percentage of it involved actively in some of these games um, well i'd rather start with 14 million people than say a a u.s state that only has like 1.2 million
2: yeah and listen before we get aubrey in here i i want to ask the the two of you one more question like it's Seems to me it's pretty easy to, uh, for I go and, and for the AGCO to be, be whipping boys here. And I, I, I just bring it up because I had, uh, I just, just got back from lunch with a, with a friend of mine who works in the cannabis industry and, and uh, we we're talking about AGCO a little bit. And, uh, you know, the commission juggles an awful lot of balls. And, uh, just talking to people again across the industry, my sense is that the AGCO has done a pretty good, pretty good job, uh, um w- with their with their business getting getting P- operators up up and running doing the due diligence uh especially at a time when we all are coming out of a, a pandemic that's been really tough over two plus years and so uh, you know I'm not uh you know I'm, I'm not sitting here wearing my AGco hoodie but i I, I do think it's important amanda and will to, to point out that uh to will's point we do have a number of operators in the in the market and and AGCO is, has, has, I, I believe, for the most part, de- delivered pretty well in this early in these early months.
3: I agree. I think if you spoke, if you speak with individual operators, um, the feedback will be overwhelmingly positive for the AGCO's approach. Um, the fact that they have taken a risk-based um, or outcomes based approach to regulation, which means they're not sitting there, you know, outlining steps A to Z for how you have to achieve compliance or telling you what outcome you need to achieve, and they're leaving it up to operators to figure out how to achieve that. So that's a really refreshing and modern approach, which is one of the hallmarks of the uh, AGCO's, you know, of Tom Munham's approach to regulation and his overseeing of the of the regulator but the other thing, and you know, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention it, this is a brand new market and you don't launch anything brand new without there being some growing pains. And Ontario is no exception. And there are some parts of regulations that need to be strengthened or changed or adjusted just to make things easier for the operators. So again, we're still only a handful of months into this new market and there has been a constant stream of feedback that's been provided both to IGO and AGCO. And I know for any operator that's a member of the Canadian Gaming Association, there's definitely meetings that are taking place between the industry and the AGCO. um, And that will continue to happen. And to me, that's a hallmark of a really healthy uh, industry, a really healthy regulator when they're open and willing to receive that feedback. So yeah, I mean, nothing. Nothing launched perfectly, and no one expected it to. But the fact that the AGCO is willing to engage in dialogue and are going to address concerns—I mean, that's the best-case scenario.
2: Yeah. Hey, Will. Last word to you on this on this section.
0: Yeah, I don't want to speak too long, so I know we've got uh, Mister. Levy coming up. So I want to uh, let the audience listen to to him and, and his insights. Uh, but very quickly, I'll say this much. Um, I spent 11 years at OLG working with the chairman and a series of former CEOs. And now I'm working with a Las Vegas based company. And that experience over, you know, more than a dozen years has afforded me the opportunity to speak with people all the way across North America in the gaming industry and uniformly. They all have a very positive view of the AGCO. In fact, there are many regulators in different U S states that have modeled themselves upon Nevada, New Jersey, and Ontario and the different regulatory models that are stood up in those jurisdictions uh, because they are really excellent. And there's a lot of really great people up there at Young and Shepherd that are doing fantastic things, not just in in gaming, but in responsible liquor service, uh, overseeing the cannabis market, uh, stepping in and running horse racing. Uh, It's a really good bunch up there. uh, And that uh, quality, dedication and commitment has all been reflected uh, in these first few months up here in the market.
2: Right. Thanks. Well, well, uh, well said. But let let's turn over to something a little a little bit uh, not quite so serious, and and uh, you know the fun part this week for, for me is to watch. And, and we knew this was coming. Is kind of the you know the avalanche of advertising and marketing campaigns around the, the start of uh, the end of summer, the start of fall, the start of the NFL season tonight. Um, you know, we pointed the newsletter. BetMGM launched it. The, the It's On campaign um yesterday and and uh points bet is is doing some constant content stuff around uh former nfl quarterback ryan leaf and Fanduel tv launched in the u.s this week and and uh you know to to no one's surprise that the the score is in on the action as well and and we welcome uh, aubrey levy the senior vice president of marketing content for the for the company and and Aubrey, uh, again, I, I I was a big fan in the beginning of of your ad campaign, and uh, uh, you know, love the fact that you added. Uh, I, I didn't even know what Michael Ross's real name was until uh, Dan Sabrine, your your communications guru, filled me in yesterday. Um, <laughs> but adding, you know, uh, having John Lovitz and, and Patrick J. Adams and, and Russell Peters join join your ad campaign is. I, again, I think it just brings a little bit of a uh, little bit of fun, and 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 you know the the bet mode that you guys are promoting just just having fun with the product. Yeah, thanks, Steve. I mean, it,
4: um, good to good
2: to be on talking with you.
4: Yeah, look, I, I think for us, um, at the end of the day, the you know core of the campaign is 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 some value propositions we're trying to put forward, right? Like this notion of bet mode and some some more. Um, uh, some more direct messaging around features and value props, like our 10x more markets and leaning into casino, leaning into our Jays partnership and integration with media betting. But at the end of the day, yeah, it, 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 sports betting is a it's a fan engagement tied to consuming sports, which are a fun entertainment pastime. And to your point, there's a glut of marketing content that is rolling out now, anticipated rolling out. So for us to talk and put forward a message. Yeah. It felt like it had to feel fun and authentic. And uh, it's, it's a fun exercise when we went back to the drawing board this summer, like, okay, well, V1 of our campaign went really well. What does V2 look like? We knew we wanted to stay with the bebo theme. And then you start ideating on like what uh, interesting, quirky, maybe slightly obscure talent you could leverage to help convey the message. Um, it becomes a pretty fun and, and somewhat, uh, entertaining exercise just to come up with the names of who we could work with and so we landed on Lovitz and Patrick Adams and Russell Peters I was pretty happy with the talent roster we were able to put together
2: yeah no for sure uh, uh we, and obviously you know as Amanda mentioned earlier I mean the start of the NFL season is is huge for this for this industry and and again I think we all agree that this is going to be the first this quarter will be the give us a much clearer indication of what the Ontario market's looking like. Maybe you can just talk to us a little bit about uh about the scores uh tailgate tour and then also bringing bringing on board uh former ESPN commentator and insider Jordan Schultz which you announced yesterday.
4: Yeah, and I'm happy to talk about both. So the uh 10X Tailgate Tour, Six City Tailgate Tour we're running throughout Ontario. Um uh, now kicking off uh, for the beginning of football season. Um, as you know, Steve, you know, activation and showing up experientially in fun and, and some unexpected ways has been a play that we've been like, we, we've, been, we've been running since market open with what we've done, Canadian Open and CP mm-hmm. Women's Open. Um, so we knew we wanted to have a, a, an offline kind of experiential component to the campaign this fall that 10x message for us is a really big one. I mean, that was uh, the last pillar of our owned and operated tech stack for us to bring in-house was our risk and trading engine, which we successfully migrated onto this, this summer. So that opens up just such a, a breadth and depth of new betting options for us, which was slightly hampering us before. So it's a message we were obviously eager to lean into pretty aggressively. So when we came up with this idea of, you know, how do you take a tailgate and, 10 exit right just have some fun with the games the prizing even the actual physical uh trailer truck we're going to be driving around it felt like a pretty cool way to get out um and also to get outside to not I'm still focus on the gta but get outside to some other communities that we haven't gotten on the ground in yet to build some fan base and uh reward our loyal uh, our loyal betters. so yeah that's gonna be really cool rolling out uh now this week next week Six cities, boom, boom, boom. Our activation team is going to have a hectic schedule ahead of them, but it should be a fun way to bring another experiential component to our marketing
2: campaigns. Yeah, when I sorry, Aubrey, when I look at these, when I look at the cities too, I mean, obviously, you know, London, Toronto, Windsor, Kingston, Oshawa, and Hamilton. You, you have uh, Ontario cities with with both colleges and universities, so I, I'm sure you're going to you're you're looking to tap into the the student uh, population in in those communities this fall. Yeah, look, I mean, I think for us, it's, we're looking at where there's kind of population
4: density that we can go and make an impact in while still spreading our wings pretty widely. Uh, I mean, we're not targeting, we're not targeting the colleges specifically. We're being really, really conscientious of making sure that we're marketing specifically 19 plus, Um, but it certainly helps that there's 19 plus populations in those cities, right? For kids who are at that age, attending those schools um, that help add for the potential impact when we're, when we're looking at what cities we can hit
2: the hardest. Yeah, and just on the Jordan Schultz thing, uh, the, the higher, uh, Aubrey, I mean, it, it, it's been an interesting couple of weeks, and I'm hoping Mark Silver's going to weigh in here too, that just, you know, that, that, that I don't know if it's a shift necessarily, because you guys have been doing media for an awful long time, going back to your dad's days at, at Headline Sports, but, uh, you know, we're seeing more more focus on, on content, you know, not necessarily away from still spending on a- advertising, but I, again, the the, the Schultz uh, hiring was was uh, one that caught caught my eye because again it's just another move where you see sports books are um, leaning more into content. Yeah, I mean, look, the Schultz hiring for us um,
4: is not independent of our betting operation, but primarily a media play, right? I mean, you're right; every sports book is chasing upstream for a media footprint, right? First, they did their deals, and they thought they could just market through media channels. Then they're like, oh crap, it's really a lot more powerful if you can cultivate and build your own media footprint building. That's really hard as we, as we all know, right. It's, it takes a lot to build a captive loyal media audience. And if you're a sports book and your primary purpose for building media or owning media is lead gen for betting, you're probably going to fuf- deliver an unfulfilling media experience. Right. So it, 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 you know, you and I have talked to, to uh, you know a bit about like the, some of the media plays, some of the books have made, yeah. um, i think it's, a lot of them are pretty transparent where all they care about is trying to capture that user not satiate them on the media side but just drive them over to betting aggressively for us as has always been the case media is our bread and butter that that's foundationally who we are as an organization And if it weren't for media we wouldn't be in the betting business we'll stop um, so when we look at opportunities like schultz the, the first question is is this good for our media business is this a good expansion of what we're currently doing and You know bringing on we cover a lot of buckets on our media business obviously a large very large app scores news data business a pretty robust social footprint really strong esports audience but something we hadn't broken into yet was this world of kind of original inside reporting and access directly with players and teams and front office and breaking stories we hadn't really waited down that that you know down that path and we kicked it around and for us it was a question of okay well we're not this big conventional linear broadcast property. We're not going to go send people out on the ground with 20 person production crews. That's not how we operate. Right. right? Conversely, we're not going to go just bring on a a huge name. Who's going to require a lot of um, support and is going to be only interested in doing one thing. They have their playbook and they play that playbook. We're pretty nimble. We're pretty versatile and we like to move quickly. So when we found, when we started talking with Jordan, he fit the bill for us so perfectly; it was like a, it was a no-brainer to try to go and, and bring him on. The guy has proven he 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 can break stories. Um, he's got relationships. He's got access. He was he was doing it at ESPN. Then he was doing it on his own since he left ESPN. He's a grinder. I mean, this guy hustles his ass off, which fits beautifully within our system. Um, and he's multimedia savvy. Like he's he can write. He can produce his own social content, he can go on camera with the best of them. So uh, he fits into our content operation like a glove. So uh, I'm really fired up that that we got him on board Um, and he can help spearhead this new direction for our organization to layer into our existing media coverage. Because if you can take the inside access and reporting capabilities, content capabilities he has layered on top of the reach we can provide for the score it's, it's going to be it's going to be awesome. And then when you think about what are the logical touch points where we can authentically integrate betting, the guy can also talk betting authentically. He's had betting shows in the past. He knows he knows his stuff. So it makes it a less forced play where we figure out, okay, well what are the touch points that integrate betting into his reporting, into his coverage. So and, and you know, the last piece was we sat down, we talked and he's got this hunger to dominate and this hunger to be nimble and figure out like what format works. Uh, no preconceived notion, just leaning in and figuring how you can be an insider in a, in a different way. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm really excited. But yeah, he, by by no means is he intended to be a um, exclusively or even predominantly a sports betting content lead generation play. He's a let's build, let's continue to build a thriving media business and then figure out the right touch points for betting
2: conversion. Yeah, Mark, I'm sure you you have at least one one or two thoughts and maybe a question for Aubrey. The the strategy that, that you've described is something that, that we've learned, you
1: know, in the parlay through our various lines of business. And, you know, recently, you know, Bob McCowan did a podcast, you know, celebrating, um, you know, the, the, the original launch of the fan and they had the original producer on. And they talked about the lack of development of personalities that, are, that have been able to garner a following since kind of the, the original crew. Well, there's the crew that you guys initially developed at The Score, plus there's the crew that came before that. But there really hasn't been, from a Canadian point of view, a lot of new voices that are, have emerged over the last number of years. So looking at the strategy that, that you've laid out, it makes a lot of sense because as we know as a brand, it's very hard to have that attribution, unless you're you know, one of the originals, like like we've seen from some of the Canadian incumbents, more so it's the audience wants to connect with an individual. So it totally makes sense what we're seeing play out. And we, we applaud you for, for going that route. Thanks, Mark, I, pr- I appreciate
4: that. I mean, look, I think part of the challenge too is the game has changed right? This isn't a world anymore where you're cultivating new talent primarily through linear broadcast, right? And if you want to become, you know, a popular on-air personality or reporter, you're going to go through the conventional kind of like, you know, minor league circuit up to majors. There are guys, like if you look at some of the most notable and influential personalities from a sports media perspective, these guys were born natively, digitally, and socially now, right? It's um you know look at our you know through our 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 pen leadership pen ownership look at what barstool sports has done from a personality development uh uh perspective they've cultivated a lot of personality talent you look at guys like Pat McAfee right former former NFL player who built this social audience around himself and now he's a force and you look what FanDuel paid him just to market through him right so I think the world of of how you develop yourself as a media personality that game has changed dramatically From what it was 20 30 years ago and it's a lot of times which is why it's i'm so fired up about jordan the number of people i've seen come through interviewing you know as we've started to broach more into multimedia and on putting our guys on camera the number of people come through and and kind of come through these traditional on-camera broadcast programs and this expectation of what it means to be an on-air personality in the world of sports media i think a lot of them are setting themselves up for a hard time because there's, this, there's, a, there's a, a really a kind of a legacy perspective of that trajectory that I'm not sure is what it is anymore. I just don't think that's, that's as fertile a path for you as a young sports journalist or a young sports aspiring media broadcaster. You have to go out and, and, and make your way and be scrappy, produce content on your own. Don't expect that you're going to have a four or five person production crew around you to develop you. You got to figure it out, now. and if you do, you can build massive audience and massive following, and then you can kind of, you know, write your ticket and become a hot commodity for any of the big media companies.
2: Yeah, that, Aubrey, <laughs> that's such great advice for for a young uh, young journalist or or a young sports personality, and it's it's interesting. Uh, David Purdom at ESPN's got a great piece that we've uh, there's a link to it in the newsletter today about the power of social media and and with sports gamblers and how much sports gamblers rely on Twitter. And it's tied to that information and having someone like Jordan, who, as you call scrappy, if you've got somebody out there breaking, breaking stories, it's not not always being done with a with a sports betting focus. But it's the kind of information that's certainly going to inform, inform a sports better. And I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, you and I both and, and, and Mark and Will have ties to tra- traditional media. It's a much different world today. But if you're willing to roll your sleeves up and, and work, your, work your derriere off, as you said, uh, you you can find a place in the, in the sports media for sure and Steve, even look at how insiders are, are
4: traditionally used right look at some of the biggest guys that, that espn or other others have scooped up it's become a very conventional playbook they break news on twitter and then they get thrown into these linear shows as a talking head to kind of pontificate on it there's so many more channels available that that, that like so many more creative ways to expand elaborate go deeper on this reporting and these stories that like it, it it's almost become rote even on the world of insiding, which isn't You know, uh, potentially as as old or conventional as as just traditional linear broadcasting uh, for for traditional linear sports journalism. So we're going to look to shake it up and and like we always have, figure out what the right channel, the right content format is um, for the right content piece. Um, But that's where I say, like it's 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 open field. Um, You get someone scrappy and hungry who's willing to get into the mud with you and figure it out. And I think you're going to hopefully see some exciting stuff from us.
2: Yeah, well, well, I want to give you a chance to speak here, and I don't know, Aubrey, we probably don't have you for a whole lot much longer. But, Will, just for your background in media, I really would love to hear your thoughts on this topic.
0: Well, forgive me, I, I actually, I did have a question, but I didn't want to go in the media direction. Um, I wanted to salute uh, uh, Aubrey and his family for for what they've done. It's one thing to stand up a sports media app and a content provider, but the degree of difficulty in taking your technology in-house and creating your own in-house proprietary technology is, that's a staggering achievement. I, I, you know, for those people that are listening and keenly interested in this industry, um, you know, creating the technology on a wagering engine, um, is actually a lot harder than putting your brand out front as, as the wagering operator. So, so I salute you for that. And I'd actually like to learn a little bit more about sort of the experience of, of, um, taking on the task of, of building out your own your own tech platform um, and how that that's gone particularly as you try to integrate uh, uh, barstool into uh, US operations
4: thanks well it's very kind of you I mean it, it, it it's funny I mean a lot of people assume um, you know all sports you know sportsbook technology is um, you know why would you need to build your own there's plenty of, of vendors out there just go license it slap your brand on it call it a day right but I think A lesson we learned, even for just the technology stack that we use to power a media app, is uh, owned and operated makes a big, big, big difference. The only reason the score is in the position we're in as a media brand is because we have the power of our own technology um, fueling the app experience, right? For all intents and purposes, as a brand in in the US, the score doesn't have anywhere near the firepower, the reach, or channel distribution of the ESPNs, the Yahoo's, the Bleacher Reports, CBSs, but we compete and beat most of them. And it's purely because we've been able to give our users, you know, a fantastic mobile, highly personalized experience. So when we got into the gaming business and we knew that we wanted to be an operator and not just a marketing uh, extension or a marketing affiliate, it was a decision that that for our organization, and I'll be the non-technical guy kind of stepping through it here, was pretty quick and easy when we saw the limitations that came with having third-party technology powering you. Um, you can't iterate quickly. You can't roll out new features quickly. You can't troubleshoot quickly. Um, if there's an issue, you're always going to your provider to have to figure it out. So we knew that to get live, we would have to partner because building an entire soup to nuts technology stack takes a lot of time. And I give immense credit to our team who did it in what I would put up to be as quick the as a time as anybody could possibly build their own soup to nuts technology stack. So three years from kind of a standstill. Uh, and then piece by piece by piece, as we were um, operating with our third-party technology partner, we started bringing modules in-house. You know, we brought in our, our player cap management system and our promotion engine and our payment system. Um, and then finally, with, with our risk and trading engine. So, yeah, you have to have incredibly strong engineering and product talent. And you have to be incredibly focused and committed to a long-term product strategy uh, and just, you know, It was particularly challenging, too, in the early days of sports book, where nobody seemed to value product differentiation. Everyone was just valuing kind of big, large, aggressive market share that everybody knew was artificial, right? Everybody knew that people were just buying their way to market share. Nobody cared. Nobody cared about profitability. Nobody cared about stickiness. Nobody cared about kind of the promiscuity of the sports better bouncing around to whoever gave them the biggest offer. Product was was not a long-term consideration. It wasn't wasn't a consideration. Um, But I give a ton of credit to our guys, like an organization, we knew that to win in the long term, we would have to own our own technology. So we built it out and ultimately uh, we found the partner in Penn who saw the value in that. And um, that was a large part of the reason why they brought us on board. And now, yeah, now we're going through the process of bringing Barstool onto our technology stack. And it's a lot of work and it's a lot of nuance and it's a lot of technical stuff to wade through. But when we get there, um, it's going to be an incredibly powerful system that we've got that we're currently fully operational within Canada. Right. So we have the trial by fire already under our belts
2: um, okay. that we're going to be able to leverage all across North America. Right. I, I'm going to, I want to get Amanda back back in here. Um, Amanda, I don't know if you want to p- piggyback off, off Aubrey's comments on the product side, but I w- also I, I do want to ask um, the group too, you know, we, the, 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 some of the angst over the amount of advertising and the type of advertising back in, in the spring was pretty well documented and, and we're all watching to see what happens now. And, and uh, uh, you know, we've, we've seen the campaigns that have been rolled out so so far this week. Do you, Amanda, anticipate kind of any sh- shifting in these campaigns? Do you think there might be a pullback on spending or, or do you think there'll be any change in, in some of the creative that we might see?
3: Uh, I kind of took it a different, uh, a different route because we have way more operators who are going to be legally able to advertise now than before. So there will be a natural increase in advertising and we will see some new stuff just because there will be new operators um, in the market um, showing off their creative. Um, but I think one of two things will either happen, either we're going to start to get more, you know, emails, letters to the editor per se, you know, complaining about it. Um, Or, you know, the customer base is going to start getting a bit desensitized to it because it will be more prevalent, Um, you know, on on, you know, streetcar buses going by as I'm waiting in the subway, you know, on the screens down in the subway like it's everywhere right now. So um, I'm hoping it doesn't elicit cries of outrage from the general population. Um, but, you know, it, it's certainly going to be increasing in volume because everyone will want to have their little slice of it right now, especially again, we're kicking off the most important uh, season of the year for, for sports book operators. So,
2: yeah. Yeah. Aubrey, do you want to weigh in on that?
3: Yeah, I, I, I don't, I'm
4: not anticipating a slowdown. Um, you know, this is prime time for sports book operators, Um, I I expect you're going to see them collectively go uh, aggressively into the fall. I think for me, the question is, I mean, look, we're never going to be the biggest, loudest, largest spender. That's not our playbook, right? There's other guys in market who outspend us dramatically. What we found is um, a couple of things. One paid is, is I'll speak from our perspective because I have views on some of the other operators, uh, (laughs) advertising strategies, but, um, I'll, I'll leave them to, to to justify their own advertising strategies. For us, paid is a component of an overall marketing mix. It is not It is not the end-all, be-all of a marketing mix. And that's why for us, paid, like we ran our campaign in the spring, and we cycled off it once we got through launch. For us, it's about our owned and operated assets, it's about our partnerships, it's about our experiential, it's about a comprehensive, um, actually largely led by our own and operated um, uh, marketing message and marketing campaign. And hopefully one that uh, comes off because we've taken great pains to do it in a way that feels authentic and entertaining and not punching you in the face. Um, it, while still delivering the message we need to deliver. I think if you can come up with creative that hopefully can break through, hopefully feels authentic to the better you, uh, our hope is that our thesis is you don't have to spend as aggressively and be as perpetually in the face of your customer. You can be more nuanced and more sophisticated with how and where you look to get in front of them, and pick your spots as to when you're going to go uh, louder. Um, but I don't think that everybody in market is going to care or want to take that approach. I think a lot of there's a, clearly a playbook in the U.S. Even though marketing budgets have come down since the craziness of last year, um, I still think you're going to see guys going heavy and just trying to push, 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 push. And, yeah, I hope it doesn't desensitize and piss off customers. It very well could. Um, uh, I'm seeing I, I look I, in Ontario market. I've seen at least some more modulated uh, um, concern from everybody, from the broadcasters and, and uh, certainly the regulators about being more conscientious of the end consumer and how you're going to flight. You know, doesn't sometimes feel like this in Ontario, but how many ad breaks are you going to give to sports books Versus the U.S., right? It, it is I at least hear more conversation around nuanced flighting and nuanced media allocations. End of the day, it's still going to feel pretty heavy to the consumer. I expect.
2: Right. Hey, Mark Silver, I, I really I'd like to get you in in the conversation too, just because you come at it from a different perspective.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're we're excited by what we see in front of us. We 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 certainly heard about the shift in uh, in budgets going more to you know, kind of your own and operated content and your voice. Exactly what we're hearing today at of, of a Bobbri. Uh, I am curious to see the what we see on television tonight here on TSN and or CTV for the NFL. What we see over the weekend. Uh, what we see when hockey and basketball returns in a couple of months. You know, as as the reports come out about the handle or from the publicly traded companies that are out there that are reporting. Uh, how their operators are doing here in Ontario. I mean, the the information is not rosy, but it's a limited window of time. So, you know, in in six to nine months from now, hopefully we have some better data that that can connect us back to the amount of spend and the amount of ad load that we see, you know, on, on both digital media and traditional media. But I I don't think these, these companies are here for you know a season or two and, uh, or most of them anyway. And so I'm, I I don't see a pullback happening soon and, and I'm hoping that, you know, all of us on the call are the benefactor of, uh, of all that investment
2: hey I'm, we're almost at the top of the clock here I, I, I want to get Tony Luchasano in for a little U.S. Open talk to end it but I just want to quickly Amanda I'll start with you and then Aubrey but again just how excited are you as someone you know not only someone working in the industry but as a sports fan about you know a fall sports calendar and we've talked about the NFL but uh, you know, we're going to have Major League Baseball playoffs. We've, we've got a President's Cup golf competition later this month with a, with a lot of uh, Canadian content. Now, uh, we've got uh, the start of the NHL and the NBA seasons in October, and of course, of course, the FIFA World Cup in uh, in November with uh, with a Canadian side that hasn't been in the World Cup for for what 30, 30, 35 years. So, just how how excited about you? for the fall season from both a sports fan and from an industry perspective?
3: I think I'm excited because this will be our first full calendar year of sports because COVID has interfered with the last two. So as a sports fan, as someone who lives in Toronto, which I think is one of the greatest sports markets in the world, I could not be more excited. Um, And I'm looking forward to embracing all of it. And the last thing I will say is go Bills.
2: (laughs) Aubrey?
4: I'm going to piggyback off of that, but I'm going to say go Blue Jays and (laughs) let's get a real deep playoff run out of those guys. That would be lovely. Um, Yeah, it's like this perfect storm of sports, right? And it's the first season of sports betting in Ontario. There's a ton of momentum going into it. To your point, Steve, there's like almost every major sporting event firing over the next four months. Um, It's yeah, it's a nonstop bonanza. It's incredibly exciting. Um, I'm sitting here just, like, looking at the clock and watching uh, to see how things start to kick off tonight in four or five hours as, as the first litmus test of how's, uh, you know, w- the momentum leading into the fall. So um, it's going to be pretty awesome.
2: Yep, Amen to that, Aubrey. Uh, Lucha, uh, Gaming News Canada friend, uh, Tony Lucha Santa, we're going to get... Give- our, our guy who takes picks during the year, Lucha. We'll get. We're going to give the last word to you on, on this weekend's U.S. Open.
5: Okay, that, that's great. I wish. Uh, first of all, I'm going to say go Rams, since I'm a Rams fan. <laughs> uh, so sorry, Amanda. Secondly, I wish I had 15 more minutes because I would love to ask Aubrey a whole bunch of advertising questions. I know he's he's, he's pressed for time. We're all pressed for time. But in terms of um, in terms of the U.S. Open, uh, this is probably one of the best U.S. Opens I have watched. On record, there have been. I'm a little tired because I did stay up for the entire center match last night, so I'm I'm all, only on a few hours sleep because that finished at 2:50 in the morning. I don't know if anybody watched it, but it was outstanding. But um, D- Garcia, I, I mean, if he's got left anything left in the tank, I think he can. Uh, I think he can win it all. But as you know, Steve, my my pick was Rude from the beginning. Yep, and I and I hope that he uh, continues his way on the women's side. I mean, Garcia's been, you know, one hundred. She was one hundred seventeenth in the world at the beginning of the summer, and now, uh, and now she's like number. She was the nineteenth seed, so she's moved up, and she's hitting against, you know, uh, like all all four women that are left probably hit the ball at Mach seventeen. It's incredible how, how the women's game has improved so much over the last couple of decades. I mean, Serena obviously started that, but uh, if I'm gonna pick one, I'm gonna go try with uh, Sabalenka because she's still. She dropped a bit over the last year, but, uh, to me, she still hits the ball harder than anybody else on the, on the women's circuit. So I'm going to go with Sabalenka on the women's side. I'm going to go with Rude on the men's side still.
2: Great. That's great. Lucius. just a great way to end it. Uh, listen, uh, Amanda Brewer, thank you. Thank you so much from, from Kinder Group, Aubrey Levy from the score. Aubrey, appreciate you jumping on and joining us. Um, Will Hill is always great to have uh, our friend from Sightline Payments join us, Mark Silver. Thank you for for chiming in from the Parlay Media Group. Uh, appreciate everybody joining us this week. Please pass a message to your friends to to join us uh, here every every Tuesday afternoon at two o'clock. Uh, Gaming News Canada, and if you aren't a subscriber already, please. Um, uh, this week's edition of the Thursday newsletter was was our most uh, ambitious yet. So uh, we, we try to cover an awful lot of news in, in the uh, Gaming News Canada newsletter. So please find us on Substack. Uh, everybody enjoy Bill's Rams tonight. Enjoy the U.S. Open uh, finals this weekend. And uh, please be safe and we'll see everybody in seven days' time on the uh, Gaming News Canada show. Thanks, everybody.
1: Thank you for listening to the Gaming News Canada show, a Parley Media Group production. Sign up for our weekly newsletter at GamingNewsCanada.ca. Follow Gaming News CA on Twitter to join the live audience and DM us if you're interested in sponsorship or being a featured guest.